0: Well, as I said before, this morning we're continuing in our series called Christmas at the Movies. And the whole uh, heartbeat behind this series is just this. We believe that God can bring his truth, can bring his presence, can connect people back to him, even through things like movies that weren't created with the purpose of glorifying him or bringing people close to him. Jesus, when he would teach, would oftentimes use these things called parables. And a parable would be a story that he would tell that didn't necessarily need to be factually true, but he'd use as something that people already sort of had a vague idea about in their culture. For him, oftentimes it was agriculture, it was relationships, it was business. And when I think about modern day things that many of us have shared experiences with, it's movies. And when I think about... Um, the Christmas season, one of the things, at least for me, uh, that, that jumps out as memories is oftentimes sitting around, eating popcorn, drinking hot chocolate, and watching different Christmas movies with my family and with my friends. Now, this morning, I am incredibly excited. This morning, we are, uh, again, each week we're also, just so you know, we're, we're taking on a different theme of Advent. Uh, we, each week, we light one of the candles. Last week, it was hope. This week, it's peace. Next week, it's joy. Uh, and then the last Sunday, it will be love. And so we're trying to look at these uh, different themes. So today we're going to be talking about peace, uh, and I'm really excited about that. And the movie that we're going to be looking at is by far the oldest of all um, the movies that we're doing this week. This week we are doing a movie called It's a Wonderful Life. Now, let me see a show of hands. How many of you guys have seen A Wonderful Life before? Great movie. So I'm, I'm going to tell, there's some people asking before who said they didn't see this movie before service. Will there be spoiler alerts? Absolutely. If you haven't seen it by now, it came out like in 1947. Like you've had time. It's on every Christmas Eve. In fact, here's an interesting thing I found out as I was kind of doing some research on uh, the movie and the message. So it actually was kind of a box office flop. It actually lost money. And what's interesting is that it, it sort of was a forgotten movie until 1974. The studio forgot to file the, the, the copyright paperwork. And so what happened is the movie became public domain in nineteen seventy four. And so uh cable companies and different um local uh TV stations were looking for uh different holiday content to um you know be cheap and, and slide into slots and so what ended up happening is It's a Wonderful Life became a popular movie on TV from the seventies on. Now eventually they dealt with some legal battles and got that there. But because it was uh, lost its copyright and people could use it. And so it's interesting that a movie that is as iconic and as wonderful uh, As it's a wonderful life is it's crazy to think that if that never gets filed. Is it this classic Christmas movie that we think about today? Now, let me give a little bit of synopsis and a setup for uh, a video that we're uh, gonna watch so the the movie centers around this man named George Bailey Now, George Bailey is sort of this all-American guy in Bedford Falls. George is a guy who has dreams and ambition. He's the guy who everyone wants to be, all the girls want to be with. And he uh, has amazing talents. But he has some different moments in his life that set him back. And so what ends up happening is slowly over time, George, who is this loyal leader who cares about his family and cares about his community, has to let go of some of his dreams and desires and aspirations of getting out of this small town, of becoming a famous architect and traveling the world. Instead, he ends up having to stay in his hometown, running his failing family business, and never really getting to fulfill the dreams that he wanted to fulfill. Now we'll get into how the movie ends. Part of it also happens where uh, he gets to the point where he's ready just to end it all and this angel Clarence comes and helps him understand what his life would be like if he was never born and how important his life is to many other people's lives. But I want to set up this scene. What's interesting is when I think about It's a Wonderful Life, if you've seen the movie, you think about the end, right? You think about it kind of being this happy movie where, um, you know, people learn that they matter and that their lives affect other lives. And that's so true. But it's honestly a pretty dark film. It's pretty raw and and emotional. In fact, uh, a lot of people I've been seeing share on Facebook, um, Jimmy Stewart, who uh, plays George Bailey, actually this is his first movie post being uh, a World War II uh, pilot. He saw a lot of different action, and he was dealing with um, PTSD and other things. And this movie, in some ways, he credits as being somewhat therapeutic, but in some ways you can see some of the rawness of him dealing with some of his own demons or lack thereof peace in his own life. And so let me set up this scene. This scene that you're going to watch here, uh, George. At this point, uh, everything just feels like it's falling apart. And, and, and when everything is coming to a head in his life, is that all of the money for his local family business, uh, the money has been misplaced and been kind of stolen by uh, the uh, the evil Mr. Potter. And so this is him uh, having a little bit of a moment with his family. Uh, check out this clip and see if maybe you resonate
1: at all with George Bailey. Everybody's- how should I know? What do you think I am? A dictionary? Tommy, stop that. Stop it. JD, haven't you learned that silly tune yet? You play it over and over again. Now, stop it. Stop it. Mary. Annie, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. No, no. Go on and practice. Yeah. I owe you an apology, too. No, I'm sorry. What well, do you want to know? Nothing, Daddy. the matter with everybody. Janie, go on. I told you to practice. Now go on, play. Oh, Daddy. <clears throat> George, why must you torture the children? Why don't you? Merry
0: Merry Christmas. It's annoying how relatable that scene is. You know, as much as we, this is the season to send out the Christmas cards where the picture looks perfect, to post the status about how thankful we are about everything and how wonderful our lives feel like they are on social media. Most of us, if we're honest, we've had moments like that in our home. We have memories of maybe our parents having a moment like that. Some of us even would say, we thought I would never have a moment like that, like my dad did, or like my mom did. And most of us, if we're honest, probably have had a moment like that. I know I have. There's been moments where it, like George, feels like everything that I planned and hoped for just wasn't working out. And it seemed like the world is against me. And it leads me Or it leads us into a place where we feel anxious, depressed, and just feel like nothing can go right. It's unsurprising that George finds himself getting to a point where he even just thinks, I wish I was never born. The world would be a better place. And some of us have even experienced those sort of things. This morning, if you felt those things, I want you to know that you're not alone. That there is help that there is hope and there is a peace that God has for you. This morning, as we talk about peace, I, uh, each Sunday during this series, we're gonna, we're gonna look at some of the original language that the scripture was written in, because I think that's important. Not every Sunday, and it's not so I can feel like, look at me, I'm smart, uh, because I don't know how to pronounce half the words. But I think sometimes it's helpful for us to get a deeper understanding of what these words that we hear that feel like they're unattainable or feel like they're cliche, how they have deeper meaning. And so if you don't know this scripture that we have, the Bible, was not written in English. Even though your grandma may have told you that the King James Version is the only version of the Bible, that God wrote it down by hand in uh, really beautiful Old English um, verbiage, that's not true. Originally, uh, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written primarily in Greek and Aramaic. And in the Old Testament, in particular, there's a word uh, for peace that we want to talk about this morning called shalom. Now, in the New Testament, uh, arene is the word uh, that basically means shalom in Greek. They're pretty much interchangeable. But uh, shalom just means this. It means complete or whole. It's this idea of a, a harmoniousness or a soundness. Peace uh, or, or shalom, uh, also comes from this idea of uh, this visual. Um, in, in, in Hebrew in particular, oftentimes uh, they were very visual in either having root words or having uh, an idea that became a word. So shalom in many ways means this completeness. So you could think about it in this way. If there is a wall that is made up of bricks, it's a complete wall, one that has no gaps, no cracks, no blemishes. In some ways it has just this... Feeling of, even though it's complex and there's multiple things going on inside of it, that there's a wholeness to the whole of the wall. Or like a piece of stone that has no blemishes, that completely is together. Shalom is all about this idea that things are complete, that things are whole. Now shalom too also is this idea that it's a, a choice uh, of, of, of acknowledging the presence of God. Now in Philippians chapter four this is sort of a, a famous verse. It just says this: "And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." You see, if I could break down this idea of peace for you in a very simple way, it's just this: peace is not dependent upon your plans, your preferences, or your predicaments. True peace is dependent on the presence of God. And I'll say that again. Peace is not dependent on your plans, preferences, or predicaments. True peace is dependent on the presence of God. That peace is not something that we look at our life and we say, okay, my bank account looks good. My family and my relationships fully look good. The, the world that I live in I feel like is going in a great direction that's not it peace is this thing that really it has to do with the presence of god being in our life it's this idea that it that, that that because of god's presence in our life we feel this sense of completeness or wholeness because the truth is most of us most of the issue of the human condition of sin and brokenness in our world in our life is most of us are trying to find wholeness we're trying to find meaning and completion. We're trying to work out our own salvation on our own. And so we try to find peace or shalom in our job, in our status, in our family, in, in our romantic relationships, in the skills that we have. And every single one of those things eventually will disappoint you. Every single one of those things was not created to give you this sense of peace and completeness. That was something that was only left for the creator of you, the God of all the universe, the God who deeply and desperately loves you. Now, in, in the Christmas story, um, if, if, if you've never heard this, let me give the brief sort of Christmas story of Jesus' birth. Many of you probably know this. Jesus uh, uh, is is born under interesting circumstances. There's this woman named Mary. She is a uh, a young woman who is a virgin who's pledged to marry this man named Joseph. Now, Mary has this angel who comes and tells her, you are going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Now I'm just going to be real. If I'm Mary, I'm probably thinking, like, what did I eat for lunch? Like, something is up here. And as you can imagine, Mary has fears, she has worries, and she has doubts. But consistently, what she is told and what people throughout Scripture are told when they're in the presence of the angels are this. Don't be afraid. Joseph, who is pledged to this woman, he's going to marry her. And in that culture, divorce in particular was much more of sort of a um, uh, a, a thing that would bring shame uh, and condemnation in that culture. Can you imagine the first time that your fiancé comes to you and tells you, uh, I'm pregnant and it's God's baby. I mean, I think most of us are like, well, of course I would understand that. I wouldn't. No, you would not. You'd be asking around like, all right, where did Mary go to draw from? What well was she at this week? You'd be asking questions. And so Joseph had plans that he was going to quietly divorce her. Before anything could really happen, he was just going to try to save some face in all of this. And yet he, too, is visited in the middle of the night. He is awoken By an angel. And this angel says the similar thing to Mary. He says, don't be afraid. You know, most of us, the reason that we don't feel shalom, we don't feel peace, is because our fears are louder than the voice of God. Most of us deal with anxious thoughts of worry we think through the worst-case scenario. It just takes one moment for us to have a thought, and we start going down the bunny trail of how everyone hates us, we'll never measure up, my life is over. And yet even in the midst of moments where either God is doing something in our life, like Mary and Joseph, or even when we've messed up, God comes near to us, and gently reminds us, don't be afraid. And he says, don't be afraid because I am with you. It's easy to say, don't be afraid to someone and then leave them. I mean, think about this. I used to think about this when uh, I was a kid and I didn't always like the dark. And my, you know, my brothers or my parents would just be like, just don't be afraid. You're good. All right. I'll see you later. It's like, Well, that's easy for you to say you're going into a light room now. And yet when God tells us not to be afraid, it's not from this empty promise. It's not from this idea of like, just like it'll work out. It's fine. No, no, no. He says, don't be afraid for I am with you. I'm not leaving you during this moment. I'm not leaving this up to chance. I'm not sitting back watching this like it's a movie for the first time, wondering what's going to happen. The God of all the universe knows exactly where your story began, where your story is now, and where your story is going. And guess what? He's not afraid. He's not worried. And while we think that we can just wreck our lives to a place where there's no redemption, God says, You are not that impressive or that important. You are important. And you are valued in love because you are my son and you are my daughter. But don't give yourself so much credit that you can ruin your life. Don't give yourself so much credit that your failures can outrun my faithfulness. Because it can't. You see, fear fails when we pick a posture of peace in our lives. Our fears begin to have failure, they begin to feel silly and not really work themselves out when we begin to choose this posture, this presence of peace in our life. Because it's a gift. Peace is not something, this idea of shalom, isn't something that you can just find yourself. There's lots of, uh, while I think mindfulness, I think slowing down, I think there's a lot to be said that Christians, we could practice Things in our lifestyles to help us connect with God better. But there's not this way where we can find our own inner peace on our own. But I do think that peace, this gift from God, this presence is a gift and it's a choice that we make whether or not we're going to open the gift that He's given us. And yet many of us get frustrated with God because we continue to feel these anxious, worried thoughts. We continue to feel as if our life isn't whole. And yet, if we're honest, most of us, when we feel that way, are not deeply connected to God. We're not really living a life following Him. We're trying to live a life that we've created, that we've planned, that we've hoped for, and we're trying to ask God to come alongside. We're not asking Him what He wants for our life. We're telling Him what we want for our life, and we want Him to give us a stamp of approval. It's sort of like a kid who asks for something uh, for christmas and you ask for peace you ask for these things and yet when god gives you the thing that you asked for it isn't what you thought it was going to be and so you're frustrated but the truth is we can't get frustrated with god when we ask for peace but we don't follow through with opening the gift that he has for us in romans chapter 5 paul wrote this he said therefore since we have been justified through faith we have Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, though whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. You see, peace and shalom also has this idea of this tension and this battle. And what Paul is saying here is this idea, too, that we, that we have this idea of this, this peace through Jesus because our sinful nature was at odds with God's goodness, Again, it's like we got in this war with God, and not intentionally. But our choices had led us to be doing the exact opposite of what God wanted us to do. And the truth is, we could not redeem it. We couldn't remedy that thing. We couldn't sign a peace treaty ourselves. And so we find that we find peace with God through Jesus Christ. It's not anything that you can do to earn it. It's not anything that you can live a good enough life. You can't just be a good person. You know, that's the typical thing around funerals, right? Or when we talk about people who don't know Jesus. Well, they're a good person. That's great. But the truth is, if we don't know Jesus, we don't know peace. If we don't know Jesus, there still is going to be this lack of shalom in our lives. That it's like every single one of us, until we find Jesus, it's like we are a puzzle that came that didn't have all the pieces inside. And there's this feeling of this peace that needs to still be put in. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul wrote this. He said, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the divining wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and his regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you, and when you were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we, have, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Jesus came to give us peace. He came to break down any walls of division. He came to break down a sense of brokenness in our lives. And the truth is just this. Jesus in his presence... Is personified peace. If you want to experience what peace is really like, try to have a conversation with Jesus. Try to seek Him out and find Him. I guarantee you will not find peace until you make peace with Christ. Now I'll say this. When I think about It's a Wonderful Life, and I think about George Bailey, it's hard when things don't go well. It's hard when we feel like things are a little bit awry. Things aren't just going well. And I want to make sure that I, that I say this this morning so you don't mishear me. If you're dealing with anxiety or depression or constant just fear and worry that is crippling and, 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 and deeply affecting your life, let me just say this. It is more than okay in fact it is the right thing to do as a follower of jesus that if you're dealing with some mental health issues you seek a christian counselor that's a very good thing it's a really dangerous thing if we buy into this notion of here's the thing just pray harder read your bible more and all of this will go away now, don't mishear me in this saying that 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 we're taking away the power from God. It's just this. I'm going to guess that most of us, if someone broke their leg, wouldn't just say, hey, just read through the Bible and it eventually will go back together. If someone had uh, diabetes, we wouldn't say, hey, throw away your insulin and just spend a little bit more time in prayer and you'll be good. No, we would say that God gave the gift of healing through vast avenues. While, yes, those things on their own will not give us the total peace and shalom and completion in our life. No, they won't. But it is more than okay. And so I just want you to know, if you are experiencing and dealing uh, with those things, please contact us. We would love to connect you with a Christian counselor. I will say in my own life, it has been uh, a huge blessing to me over the years. In particular, I can still remember, I've told this story, I think, before, when I was uh, in my uh, junior year of college, I went through a really big rough patch. I uh, ended up on uh, the uh, the type of uh, dean 's list that your parents aren 't proud of. I was really struggling with my own identity uh, just as uh, as a person. Uh, I felt as if in a lot of ways i didn 't have a lot of worth or value i didn 't feel like there was direction. I felt lonely. And I can still remember taking a walk on a brisk fall night through Anderson's campus to this parking lot where all the utility vehicles are, were at, to the, the, the not-so-nice field that wasn't even uh, level that they allowed our club rugby team to have to use as practice because it was the least nice field of all. And I can still remember, in many ways, like a George Bailey moment on a bridge, crying out to God. Saying, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. And I don't know how to make a way forward. And in the least beautiful, the, the, the non-thought-about as a holy spot, God met me. He met me there with a peace that was beyond any of my understanding of what was going on. And you know what the amazing thing was? It wasn't like in that moment all of my problems and all of my worries disappeared. It wasn't as if in that moment all of the mess that I'd gotten myself in was fixed. It didn't mean that all of a sudden I knew exactly what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I felt like I was, uh, you know, going to do all of these things. No. That's the beauty of peace and shalom. It actually seems crazy. Because peace and shalom gives us this calm, this wholeness, this hope, this love, this joy when everything still is falling apart. And that's something that you can't attain on your own. That's not something another person can give you. That's not something anything in this world can give you apart from Jesus Christ. I want you guys to watch this video of the ending of It's a wonderful life. So check out this video.
1: Clarence! Help me, Clarence! Get me back! Get me back! I don't care what happens to me! Get me back to my wife and kids! Help me, Clarence, please! Please! I want to live again! I want to live again! I want to live again! Please, God! Let me live again. Hey, George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? i get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out of here. What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George. Bert, do you know me? Know you? Huh. You kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car pile into that tree down there and I thought maybe you. Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're alright? What you. <laughs> <laughs> My mouth's bleeding, Virge! My mouth's bleeding! Do those pedals! In jail. Go on home. They're waiting for you. <laughs> Mary! 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 Well, hello, Mr. Bank Examiner. How are you? Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. George, I've got a little paper. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas. Reporters. Oh, where's Mary? Mary! Oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Mary! Have you, have you seen my wife? Mary, Mary, Mrs. Mary Mrs. daddy, daddy, and Kids! Pete! Oh, he did Kids, Janie! Janie, call me. Oh, I could eat you. Up. Where's your mother? She went looking for you. With Uncle she, Billy. Dad! Zozo, Zozo, my little ginger snap. how do you feel? Fine. Not a smidge of temper... <laughs> Not a smidge <smitch> of <sighs> uh, Hallelujah. <laughs> Hello. George. George, George. Mary. George Mary. darling. Mary. George, darling. Where are you? Oh, George. George. Oh, George. 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 You're oh, real. George. We're just, we're just, we're just, George. You have no idea what's happened to me. You have no idea what happened. Oh, come on, George. Come on downstairs. Oh, quick, we're right. on the way. Right. Come on. <laughs> come on in here now. Now you stand right over here by the tree. Right there. And don't move. Don't move. What's happening I'm coming out. George, it's a miracle. It's It's a miracle. and she told some people you were in trouble with it. They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions. Just said, George, you're in trouble. And tell right. me, you know in trouble. like it. It's wet like fair. You're in trouble. Here you George. Merry <laughs> Christmas. Christmas. There we are. The line comes on the right.
0: Sorry we can't watch more. By the way, if you have Amazon Prime, it's on Amazon Prime. So you should go watch it. But... You know, my favorite part of that ending, number one, like, that's like in the realm of, like, if you've seen the movie Coco, like, you can't watch that movie and not get a little, you know, some sweat in your eye. But one of my favorite things about that is, did you notice George's disposition? You see, what ends up happening is, if you couldn't figure out there, is that the people around band together and say, George has always been there for us, we're going to take care of him. And, And... You know, the bank examiner and all of them, they tear up the warrant, all of that, and it ends in a really uh, beautiful way where everything kind of works out. My favorite thing is the fact that George is already experiencing peace. I mean, I love his line, isn't it great, I'm going to jail, Merry Christmas. I mean, his peace is not from this place of knowing things are working out. Nothing in his life has changed in terms of that. The circumstances have not changed. His heart has changed. And this morning, some of us need that. Some of us need to know that, you know what? Our circumstances may not change as quickly as we want. What's going on in our lives may not, as quickly as we want, change. But we can't allow our heart to be changed I read uh, a verse from Philippians chapter 4 earlier, and I want to I close out by reading this uh, from the NLT, the New Living Version. This is Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And, and may this just be a heart cry for you as you go out today. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds As you live in Christ Jesus. And so may I leave you with these words before we pray. Peace comes from placing our faith in Jesus. It's not from our knowledge and it's not from our circumstance. If you think through every moment in your life, every worry, every fear, I promise it will feed a fire that will continue to make you feel uneasy, anxious, and not whole. And yet, if we place our worries, our burdens, our fears at the place of Jesus, if we just give our whole hearts, our whole lives, if we just seek being in his presence, I promise you that you will experience that, pre- that peace that transcends all understanding. And this morning, the choice is yours whether or not you want to continue to leave a life where you feel broken down and worried or whether or not you accept the gift of his peace, of his presence, of his love, of his salvation. Would you guys stand? As we're going to pray and we're going to sing one last song. Father God, I thank you for the fact that God, we don't have to try to complete ourselves. That there's not a, a bunch of hoops we have to jump through. That there's not this test that we have to pass. But God, I thank you for the fact that peace is personified by your son, Jesus. That God, for us to experience peace, all we have to do is call on his name. Acknowledge him as Lord. Ask for forgiveness for the sin and brokenness in our lives. And proclaim that we want to be a follower of Jesus. And God, then we will experience peace. We will experience shalom in our lives. So God, this morning, I pray that you would give us courage and bravery to call out to you. To not stay on the bridge of despair, but to go running home to our Heavenly Father. God, whatever you want to speak to us this morning, our ears are open and our hearts are open.
1: In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.